You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Doug Davis, I'm the co-host of the show. Joining me as always is Joe Pritchard. And Joe, I'm wondering how down you are about basically the end of the regular season. I pulled up the playoff probabilities and went, now I'm sad. (laughs) Because we don't get to sit here and go, well, if this happens and that happens and this happens and that happens, it's already set. We got it. We've got we got everything set up to week twenty, but there's a week twenty one to play. Oh yeah, but now this is the fun. If this happens, if that happens, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a little. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but the possibility that your Winnipeg Bombs might have to face Nathan Rourke in one game. <laughs> you know, to advance. That's you know that there, there's some what ifs. There's there's some uh, heavy speculation possibilities there. How, Remind how... me how that went for him the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing makes your confidence up, Joe. I gotta say, it it, your... it, it it only took it only took like three years for me to realize. <laughs> you know, this team is actually pretty good. <laughs> I had like 15 years of like pain to get through first. Sure. I can't imagine those that had double that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have some friends in the league that have this issue right now, don't they? Such as the uh, third place Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's been a while for them, hasn't it? Just a little. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Let's talk last week's games really briefly. And not just because my Alouettes ended their season in fitting fact. Well, not technically, but ended their um, East winning, East title hopes uh, that rendered them null and void. I have one point to make about the end of the game. If <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm a, so don't blow past it without us talking oh, no. about how this thing finished. Oh no, 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 no! Of course not. Of course not. Let's let's start with the way the week started. Joe Hamilton Tiger Cats thirty, Ottawa Roughriders twenty seven, in a pretty deceiving scoreline. Uh, basically, for those who might not have seen it, I mean, this is what I got out of the game. You know, uh, the Red Blacks. Uh, they put the fear of the football gods into the Tiger Cats in that second quarter when everything went wrong, right? But other than that, in the other three quarters of this game, it was twenty-seven to six Tiger Cats. Um, you know, I get, I guess, I guess it's pretty, pretty funny that uh, Caleb Evans in this game set the uh, single-game record for rushing touchdowns by quarterback. With 15, um, that's on 81 carries. But I guess this kind of shows the way the CFL works these days. That uh, you don't even want to say necessarily number two quarterback, but that third down quarterback has become a real 
key position in this league uh, over recent years. So I guess congratulations to Caleb Evans, but I don't know how many people are going to be talking about that memorable 2022 Ottawa Red Black season going forward. Um, I don't know, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, they made Hamilton work for it, but Ottawa's been doing this all season. Minus about the six weeks in the middle of the season where they forgot how to offense. But for the rest <laughs> of the season, they've been playing everybody close, but they haven't been able to finish anybody off for the most part. Mm-hmm. It, it, they got to get over that hump at some point. And the sooner the better, because they're starting to have people tune out. Uh, and did Hamilton show you anything more going into the playoffs? They've that- been making less, they've been making fewer critical mistakes. Yes. So that's only going to benefit them. Kevin, I, I can't see them winning three games on the road, basically. Although, yeah, even, even if they face the Bombers in Regina, should that come to pass, I don't know if they get a whole lot of love there either. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, I um, don't see them. I don't see them being consistent enough to win three in a row. But I'm not going to say that they're not going to at least knock on somebody's door and at least give them a scare. Yeah, the dumb mistakes are down, and the penalties are down. I think in this game, only the five penalties called on them. And one of them was when the, the scrap broke out on an Ottawa touchdown. Uh, so, you know, good in this respect, too. Unfortunately, this seems to be the best Hamilton has been all season going into these playoffs in a couple of weeks. So, unfortunately, I say that for the eastern side of the bracket. Um, okay, going on, it was PC Lines 31, Edmonton Bucks 14. And probably the week's least suspenseful game, uh, BC clinching. But uh, I think more importantly for me, this was a really nice get ready for the playoffs warm up for James Butler. I mean, he had as many carries, 24, as did Vernon Adams as a time. So, and you know, six yards carry. <laughs> really nice little warm up for him. But other than that, uh, I didn't really see much. Um, you, If you squinted at the Elks in this game, you could kind of envision the future. You can kind of see what they might look like next year. I mean, already I think Edmonton fans have a right to be optimistic about next year. For at least one reason, it can't be worse than Oh, we we've been saying it since what May. This right. was an extended preseason. This whole right. season, right? They've locked up Kevin Brown as far as contract goes. They've right. locked up Taylor Cornelius. Right. Uh, Salisbury is a possibility to be re-signed. I believe there. It looks like Chris Jones has a core now, right? That he didn't have coming into this year. That he can start building around in the off season and try to make a more competitive product this next this next year this was the worst team in the cfl you could say you could try to bring ottawa into that conversation but ottawa was more consistently competitive and when they weren't competitive it was very clear that it's because they were sputtering on offense and trying to find some answers there 
it wasn't uh, the 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 talent difference between Edmonton and the rest of the league was staggering this year. And you could see it every time they played BC, BC lit them up like a Christmas tree. And <laughs> this last time they could have done even more, except they stuck to the ground for the most part. Yeah. 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 Good point. Uh, yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up uh, Kevin Brown. I think he's really got the key. I mean, Jesus, he only played seven games, seven four receptions. So, I mean, he's going to be your number one guy going forward after this year, signing all the, signing all the older guy name players. Um, more more than anything else, really, Edmonton looked like expansion. You know, it really looked like a team. And they couldn't have, really, business-wise, they couldn't afford to do that. But on the field, right. they didn't have a whole lot of choice. Right. They right. they they really burned that franchise into the ground from <laughs> 2019 through 2021. Yep. yep. And it's gonna it's it was gonna be a more than a one year fix, and that market isn't ready for to be patient at this point. They need to show that they could be competitive again. Cause there's, there's an under, there's an underlying group in that city from what I can tell that is waiting for the team to show and should they give them any reason to come, come back on board. There's some that'll never come back mm-hmm. just the way, it, just the way it's going to work. But, there's also a chunk that are just waiting to have a reason to come back. And you can do anything marketing wise you want. You can do anything ticket price wise you want. You also have to be competitive on the field. And this year wasn't it. It's got to be next year or they're going to be in deeper trouble than they are this year. On the bright side, the Oilers just have a pretty good season this year. That might not be helping the Elks. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for the folks at Edmonton. Good for the sports fans at Edmonton. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Here we go. Toronto Argonauts, 24. At. That hurts. Madral Alouette's 23. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about the end of this game. That's I. In America, we tend to do this. Right? Like, like most Americans, for a casual soccer fan. If you say the name Zinedine Zidane to them, ZZ, you know, they're going to conjure up a picture of Matarazzi, you know, the last image of Zidane in international competition, right? Forget the fact that he burned Brazil single-handedly in a couple of World Cups before that. But that's what American fans, we tend to, we tend to remember these moments. But the truth is that, man, the Alouettes grew some opportunity away. The safety was what really hurt. I mean, that's what really hurt. I mean, in, in more ways than I mean, this was Trevor Harris screwing up. I put a lot of it on him. Now, to be fair, he almost bailed himself out of it. And the call might have gone the other way. Like, he might have gotten that one out of his so, or it was not good. But um, still, still, still. That was a bad play, both on the scoreboard and I think psychological yeah. That was a lot more damaging than the Rouge. However, I would also say this. You know, in the fourth quarter, they played pretty good. You know, the offense, the offense. I'm kind of sad that for 
I think the second or third time in a row now, the defense kind of let us down uh, in the fourth quarter here in a loss. Um, really kind of slacked off and let Toronto score that last time. And, you know, you could just as easily pin the loss on that as on this weird last play uh, in the end zone. Now, um, now you told me before the show that you wanted to talk about, or you said at the top of the show, that you wanted to talk about that play. Okay, so so lining up for the field goal, Boris Beattie misses it. <laughs> the Alouettes of all teams have 13 men on the field. You think they'd know better. Um, and so the penalty is declined and the arms take the rouge. So what issue or, or comment did you have here? So we know how the play went now. But as you're watching it live, and I'm excited. I'm this is this is fun time for me because I love when crazy Canadian rules show up. Right. And crazy right. things like, hey, a returner's got the ball in the end zone, he might not get it out. So he's gonna boot it out. That's that's the kind of thing I love about this league. It's just right. like random things that you'll never see down south. So I'm geared up. I'm thinking this might that this is in play because it's a long field goal. Boris Boris Beatty's got a foot but he might not get it all 20 yards past if he misses. So as I see it creep past, I see it go down to Chandler Worthy. I'm thinking he's got, he's deep. So something interesting is going to happen. Then you see the flag and then you see everybody stop. Right. And there's not a very clear explanation on the TSM broadcast as to what the hell's going on because the camera's not showing Chandler Worthy because uh, it, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the end line in the shot. So mm-hmm. does it show you that Chandler Worthy's out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see the flag. They call 13th man. They decline the penalty, and they then they say the game is over. And I'm like, did they stop it for what? <laughs> and it was probably about 15 minutes later that I finally got an answer. It was like, okay, yes, he actually stepped. He was out of the end zone. So that's why there was a point on that play. But you would think that the broadcaster would want to at least show you this is how the game-winning point was scored, right? In right. Game. Or right. make it clear in there, clear before they go off the air into the next game. Hey, you saw that they had the penalty. That that was declined. That had no influence on this. Here's the shot of we have from another angle showing that Worthy was out of the end zone. It was a single point. Game over. Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah. stopped. Never did it. Or even if you don't have the camera shot, you have you have. You have the play-by-play guy. You have the analyst say that the penalty has nothing to do with it because that's so so more confusion. It's like, okay, there's a penalty. Does that mean that 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 automatically ends the game? No, not by any rule book that I've ever seen. But to have the te- the league broadcaster go off the air in a game without explaining or showing the final point being scored is just blows my mind. Now, did you see it? No, I still have not seen a shot. Okay, of... that's why. That's why. That's why they didn't get the shot. But they say didn't it. Get the shot. Well, but say it. Be clear about it. Right. Don't just right. brush off the air. Just go. Okay. Right. The ball got kicked. Ball got kicked. Worthy caught it when he was out. When he was on the end line. 
that's that's your single and that's your game. The penalty is yeah. irrelevant. Yes, yeah, so never he, came he, up. The the, the pe- people on Twitter were saying, "Oh yeah, you know, Worthy doesn't know the rules, or you know, the Alouettes don't know the rules." Right. Right. And so exactly because there was confusion sown by the fact that the broadcast did not show what actually happened, or right. even took a five seconds to go. He was out of the end zone. Toronto gets the point because of that. That's why the penalty is being declined, and that's your ball game. And now off to be now off to BC Edmonton. Okay. That's all they needed to do. Okay. What would happen if this happened? Because this is what I thought happened, right? Having not seen, you know, the the foot outside. Um, okay. What would have happened if Worthy catches the thing? He's in the end zone, but then sees the flag and everybody stops, and then he stops. What would happen in that case? In that case, the ball is still live until there's a reason for the ball not to be live, because the flag, in yeah. on that on that penalty, that is not a dead ball penalty. Too many men is not a dead ball penalty. You see, right, you because if it were, play. if it were, then the reach went down. But they would have right, because then they would have gone back to the, right. they would have moved the ball up five right. ten yards or whatever the whatever the number right. is. I'm it's slipping right. my mind at the moment because it's an infrequently called play. Uh, but yes, they would. If it was a dead ball penalty, they would have stopped the play, moved yeah. the ball up, right. let them kick again. Right, right. Because the kick right. at that point, right. the ball wouldn't. Nothing would have happened. Right. But it and was a live action made. play. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. See, so if he uh, catches the ball inbounds, they throw the flag, and he just stands there while he's he he could see the bruise at that point, which would be ridiculously dumb because that's your game right there. Or he could have gotten the ball out of the end zone. At least made them try the kick from five ten yards closer. He could he could still played it out, right? If he would have caught it in bounds, he could have still played it out. Yeah, right. At least made them try again. See, I just assumed that he caught it out of bounds because you know he didn't run it out. Well, because I did, because like, I saw, because I saw what happened was it looked like he came out a couple steps quick and then yeah. he just stops. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought. So he knew. He knew. Because as soon as they as soon as they called the play and they're like, you know, 13 men on the field, I was like, crap, they can take the rouge. I knew it. Like uh, the penalty is declined. <laughs> and then and I was right. like, and then yeah, and then I looked down in the but corner that, of the screen, sure enough, zero zero zero. Yep. It was not it was it okay. wasn't made it was fuzzy. And CFL Twitter was fuzzy for about 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is what actually happened. This is how the game actually ended, which is just ridiculous. Well, which is just completely fitting for the OS season. I mean, we started this way, losing at the last second like this. We're going to close out this way. You know, not, not surprising. Again, like not technically the end. But the end of your first place dreams. Yeah, yeah. The end of the end of moving up in the playoff meetings. Let's put it that way. Um, The next game is irrelevant. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But um, I thought uh, Toronto looked really good again. Uh, Bethel Thompson had his detractors at the beginning of the year when they were getting teed off on by the Western teams. But I think you know again and again and again he's just showing that. Yeah, he's not 
like your Tiger Cats. He's not making mistakes. Uh, certainly not flashy, but, you know, getting the job done. Um, Ulwet has, has, you know, really come on as not only a great fantasy option, but, you know, just a real option out of the backfield there. 123 total yards in this game. Uh, passing and receiving. Um, wow. I mean, Toronto is the favorite of any team. They have the best odds of any team by the CFL simulator to make the Great Cup. Uh, are they, uh, they're they just going to blow out Montreal or Hamilton, right, Joe? Not necessarily. I mean, look what just happened this past week. Right. 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 I, I just, I don't know. I can't see the cards going up right now. I think I think the luck pendulum has swung against us in, in Montreal. Uh, all right, Calgary Stampede 32 at Saskatchewan Roughers 21. Again, game never really in doubt. Saskatchewan mentally, I think most of these guys are already gone. They were checked point. out. Bef- they were checked out the moment that they said that Cody was sitting. Yeah, yeah, that was that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, insurrection time there, I think, in Saskatchewan, the rebellion time. Uh, the, the Stamps have to be happy with Kadeem Carey and Frederick Mill, um, both of them carrying the ball, managing, uh, I have it here, 6.35 per carry. Again, kind of a sleepy defense, but nice to know that you have a one-two punch uh, on your team going into the playoffs. We'll see if they even get a chance to use it against BC, who might just turn it into a pinball game real quick. Um, I mean, I that's my the... game. That's my game plan. If I'm Calgary, keep oh, yeah. it on the ground, slow it down, yep. limit yep. the amount of possession, and see if yeah. you can force a critical mistake or two. How long can they do that? I mean, you can imagine BC taking the kickoff and you know scoring on the first drive. <laughs> you know, I mean, so win the so win the toss. Yeah, and exactly. And, and receive. Right? <laughs> if you're the stamps, you better take the ball first. I guess for the riders, the only nice thing you can say is, "Hey, great return for Mario." Kind of wish we still had him in Montreal. Uh, you know, 104 yards with touchdown. So good on him. Uh, but that's about it. Again, like I, I, I think that all starting Mason Fine really good with uh, he, he was nice running for his life. He had a couple of good runs in this game, but other than that, I'm not sure that he's the quarterback of the future for this franchise. I'm not sure I would have started him over Cody, but oh well. I think Dickens is trying to lose his job over there anyway. Um, Right. Okay, so that puts a bow on that. As we've said, uh, all these teams have clinched for the playoffs. So last week I mentioned the Pythagorean expectation wins. <laughs> Joe, do you want to explain the significance of this thing and how it works? It's actually a neat little statistic that you can play with. The easiest way to explain it is it's it's a way to put a record on point differential. So if your team scores 100 points more than they give up, that means your team would have X amount of wins in a normal season. Right, right. Uh, The more you outscore your opponents, 
the more wins you're expected to get. And really what it can show you. Now I'm about to abuse this thing because you're not supposed to use it in a real life scenario as I point to several times. But you can say that this helps define luck a little bit. You should always be suspicious in football of a team that has a PE somewhere in the area of like plus two. Okay, they're winning two games that they really shouldn't or that they're winning for reasons other than mathematics, right? They're winning for reasons other than, you know, just straight up numbers. Now, and, so a good I, way, and a good way to think about it is point differential on a season is a better predictor of how the next mm-hmm. season will go than their win-loss record. Because right. a win-loss record is there's 18, period. And points are, you know, we're talking about a 1,000 points you know, scored and given up by a, a given team in a year. So it's a bet. So it, it kind of narrows down uh, how good a team is uh, as a whole over the course of a right. whole season. Right, and you lose and that, a couple of close games, or you win a couple of games by blowout, and it can knock that, knock your win loss record out of whack with your point differential. But when you're starting to look at next year, you're better. You're make sure you're paying attention to point differential because that's going to be a better predictor of future success or failure than just a straight up win loss record. Right, right, and that's. And that's really the key about Pythagorean expectation is that a lot of stuff comes out in the wash. Like, okay, a great example is last year, the Cowboys defense returned eight turnovers for touchdowns. Okay. That's freakish. Okay. So you can't, and, and, you know, you just look at the standings and you'll go points four. And you look at that and you see, oh, wow, you know, the Cowboys offense, you're going to assume, generated seven, eight more touchdowns than they actually did. You know, it's actually the defense. But that does matter in any given game. Right. And and it's hard to factor that with these micro statistics. But again, Pythagorean expectation tries to look at all factors that win you a game and, you know, make it holistic span that out so in short it's a nice it tends to work better in sports that have more games however uh i think that you know through the years it has been nicely tweaked i think this is a bill james isn't it isn't this a bill james from from it it might well be from when he was working on his base on baseball uh, abstract yeah 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 yeah, every year for about 10 years on mimeographs yeah (laughs) yeah he's he's the king of these of these holistic kind of statistics that that project how a team is going to do um right and something to also think about is that there's no one statistic that's going to be a perfect predictor but this is a good general guide for you right i mean if there were if there were a gambling there's always an X factor, but you know, again, gives a good general picture. Okay, so of the nine teams in the CFL, most of them, six, 
stayed within a half a game or so. Half a game or so, either plus or minus. So in other words, most teams ended up pretty much performing to expectation. There was one major outlier. Uh, and, um, but again, this, this shows a situation where the statistic doesn't really affect certain real-life conditions. Uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks, through the formula, were actually expected to have six and a quarter with almost. And of course, they only ended up with four. So they were like way off. This. Um, certain strange things happened to Ottawa. You know, like Joe was just mentioning, they're staying in all of these games. They've been much more competitive. If you just look at the points for points allowed numbers, than somebody like Saskatchewan Edmonton. So, yeah, they're getting slightly more wins on the scale. But, right. They've okay. had a lot of close losses this year. Right. That's one of those things that could skew a win-loss record because whether you lose by one or by 50, it's still one loss in the standings. Mm-hmm. But if you lose a bunch of games by one to five points, well, you're closer to winning than a team that gets blown out by 40 or 53 or four times. Right. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Like Edmonton. And it shows on because uh, Edmonton, because of all the beatdowns that they took at the hands of BC, especially um, they ended up with fewer than four uh, Pythagorean expected wins. And of course had four wins. So, but again, a lot of that was skewed by just, those BC games where they got blown out so badly. Okay. Take a guess. Which team do you suppose performed most closely to PE expectations? Am I allowed to cheat and look at their uh, um, point points for and points against? Um, <laughs> yeah, you can. I don't think it's going to help. I think it's going to help. Because again, which team performed closest to expectation? To a degree of 1.5%, So really close. They they were who we thought they were. Which team to play the Jeopardy group though? Mix this down, dude. Feels like Hamilton or Saskatchewan kind of fall into that range for me. Oh, there you go. No, Hamilton. Hamilton is the team. Basically, just barely underperformed expectations. Realistically, they were dead on. Actually, Saskatchewan was a pretty big failure here. Um, they were the biggest failure on the list. Besides they finished nearly a whole win below expected mark. And again, if we, if we choose to put this onto real life, you can look at that first part of the season. You can look at those first four or five games when they're winning these games handily, and then they won two games of the last, you know, 11. So, you know, this is what you can put that down to. But, yeah, Calgary performed very badly. Of course, the two best-performing teams were against their P.E., I think Winnipeg probably outperformed because 14 wins is a lot. Yeah. Any sort of, in any sort of, um, anytime I've run P, 
Pythagorean numbers. It's always been usually max is out at like 13 or 14. So winning right. 14 is your probably outperforming it. Right. Yeah. The uh and I want to say the Argos are definitely outperforming it because they're what plus what 23 or something, and they got 11 wins. That's the sign that yeah, you win a lot of close games. No, 23, 23, 23. Yep, you're dead on. Winnipeg, uh, yeah, about Right about 12 and a half uh, Pythagorean expected wins, 14 already. Uh, I played around with the numbers a little bit today. The Pythagorean wins are never going to hit 13, I think, and they could end up with 15 if you choose to throw on this last game, uh, which I don't really think that you should because it's a very odd week this next week. Uh, and, yeah, Toronto, just barely over nine Pythagorean expectation wins, and they ended up with. Now, you could say with Montreal at two-thirds of a win under Pythagorean expected. So they're expected to win about 8.7 games this year. You could say that this loss against Toronto was the difference for Montreal. And if they win by one at at the end of next week, they'll be like right dead on. Right. Exactly. exactly. They'll be like plus six because they're plus five right now. They win by one this week. They're plus six. And <laughs> over when you when you're factoring in the fact that like 850, 860 points are scored in their games, mm-hmm. plus six means you're basically dead even. And it'd be nine and nine. So right. <laughs> it's about as close as you're ever gonna get. Right. Yeah, I guess I guess you could factor in these last ones. However, I have calculated these PE wins for 17 games, except for, of course, Edmonton played 18. So you you can do that because ultimately, once you go through the equation, what it will give you is the is the Pythagorean expected winning percentage. Right. So you can you can take that number and calculate it over as many games as you want you know and then compare it to actual real life win so again handy little statistic interesting numbers here uh i thought the most interesting one was uh the bc lions and Calgary, because of course <laughs> okay so bc has scored eight fewer points but they've allowed six fewer points so they end up with basically the same amount of two Right, but guess what? Since the Lions beat Calgary so many times, <laughs> you know, the Lions have a positive number here and Calgary has a negative number. So there you go. It's 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 kind of nice the statistic for football because you can actually play around and warp it and say, Oh yeah, there you go. There's the one PE win they got. <laughs> you know? When when Montreal had 13 men on the field and then they declined the penalty and took the rouge. Yeah. That's why the Alouettes were minus 0.7 on their PE wins this year. So fun little statistic. Um, I'll uh, I'll try and post a brief explanation of the formula within the uh, podcast write-up for this episode. All right. The other bit of mathematics that we can look at is from the official website cfl.ca who posted today their um, odds to appear in the gray cup 
pods of Grey Cup matchups based on the simulation engine or algorithm or whatever math that they're using over there in the offices. I mean, do you suppose that these guys just like, they're just hanging out and they're putting these numbers in the spreadsheet and going, ooh, like, like how do you suppose they do this? At, That's at what I'd time? be doing. Right? <laughs> right. It's like, well, the thing that I would be doing is, here, let's do it for 1940. <laughs> that's especially if I had access to all the stats from the past. That, that's what I'd be doing. Uh, but in any case, um, let's look at what they got here. Now, as I mentioned before, um, the odds to appear in the Great Cup, and this just makes me very, very sad. The Bombers are not the favorites. They only, quote unquote, have a 68.45% chance of getting to the Grey Cup, whereas Toronto has 76.52% chance. Wow. Um, should I be depressed now? Yes. Okay. I kind of wanted to say, I do appreciate these simulator uh, pieces that CFL.ca post, but here is a situation where they have to take the numbers with a grain of salt. A lot of people are, you know, ranting about analytics these days, how it fails you, especially in baseball. However, you know, this this right here is, I think, one of those failures. Uh, chance to win the Great Cup, Calgary Stampeders, 18.36% BC Lions. But wait, BC Lions, 13.19%. So I'm not sure how they arrived at this number, Joe. Can can you take a guess? I mean... Mm, the only thing I could think about is recent games and or games okay. against the team that you'd likely okay. face in said matchup. The simulator might, like, might not like BC against Toronto for some reason. BC or they might Calgary. not like... BC against Calgary. Well, this is odds to get to the Great Cup. Odds to get to the Great Cup. Yeah. yeah even, yeah, because they're assuming that if Calgary beats BC, they have a better chance of beating Winnipeg, which just doesn't right. make any sense to me. Because <laughs> Winnipeg has beaten right. both, both these teams in every game that that's actually mattered. Yeah. The only one that didn't matter for Winnipeg, BC won. Right. Winnipeg beat Calgary three times. It wasn't recent. It was a couple months ago at this point. So they may not have waited nearly as heavily because I think they have some recency bias in their in their numbers too. Mm-hmm. The more recent numbers are going to give you a better. So uh, that um, be. that's about that the only be. thing I could. That's the only explanation I have because mm-hmm. looking at it as to who's beaten who so far, that doesn't right. make sense at all i'm not saying it couldn't happen i'm just saying the numbers the way they lay out the numbers doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me unless they're doing z instead of x and y right 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 yeah yeah because i just i I, wow i mean like bc's playing at home you know they've beaten the stamps a bunch of times this year i mean i just i didn't get that at all um mantra alouette's 12 so they're not giving the uh, Owls much of a chance to beat the Ticats even in that first game. 
according to these guys, the line might be about one point on that game. Um, the odds to actually win the game. Okay, your guys are almost at 50%, Joe. Winnipeg blew out 49.31%. Uh, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit in terms of gambling. Um, I shouldn't say gambling. I should say betting. Because this is the problem with sports betting. And especially as this expands into the U.S., people need to become aware of this. Okay? You never get proper odds. Okay? You have to minimize, however, your risk. And let me give you an example. The, the, um, okay, the best example here is probably the Lions. Okay. By the numbers, the Lions have a 9.07% probability to win the Grey Cup. Okay, again, I think that's a little bit flawed. Calgary is not 14%, but whatever. But if you go to the sports book, the odds on the Lions are plus 450. Okay, now that's an implied probability of 18.18%. The odds are, in other words, half as good as they should be. Okay, you should be getting a payout of plus 900 on that, right? If you buy these analytic numbers. Okay, the reason why I bring this up is there are actually two really good bets here. There are actually two good value bets here. And guess what? It's the Argos who, by the numbers, have a 22% probability to win. And the payout is 4 to 1, which is a 20% uh, probability. This is 20% implied probability. So really good thing, right? Just a 2% hit you're taking. The other one, of course, is the Bombers, right? The Bombers are 52% chance to win. Uh, actually, no, they're at uh, they're at 49% to win. And they're paying at plus 120, which is 49% implied odds. So um, the smart money here, just pragmatically speaking for betters, is Bombers or Argonauts. And personally speaking from experience, what I would wait to do, this is way in advance, but I would what I would wait to do is see how snowy it is, the Grey Cup, and how cold it is before you bet on the Argonauts if they're in that Grey Cup. If anybody else is in that Grey Cup besides the Bombers, wait for the weather. Okay? If it's good weather, the Bombers are going to win this thing. Right, Joe? Doesn't matter who they play. Bombers yeah, going to win. Seems, seems about right. Yeah, only the weather. Uh, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I think, I think in fact, going through this whole playoffs, I think only the weather is going to beat the the Bombers. That's it. That's that's. It's going to be a fluke if I think if they lose. Unfortunately, it pains me to say it, but um, the odds. Just wanted to get this in. We also have the matchups for the the odds on that stunning. The the Winnipeg Toronto matchup is getting better odds than. Oh, it's nearly getting as good odds as the uh, Bombers to make it at 52.28%. So in other words, as they see it, it's more likely that we'll get Winnipeg-Toronto than any than all other combinations combined. Okay, so 
It seems to be written in pen here by these numbers. And the Drusuet Blue Bowl, Winnipeg, Montreal, has a probability of just 8.3%. Okay. So we can file that one. The chances the... are we'll still be podcast partners by the end of all this. <laughs> <laughs> well, to say if this belongs in the so you're saying there's a chance department. Um, we um, talked about this earlier on this show, and we didn't really want to talk too much about next week's games. Uh, I put Joe to the challenge of tell me, is there any real solid reason to watch any of these games except for maybe the BC Winnipeg game, in which we'll get Nathan Rourke back for the BC Lions and Greg Ellingson for the Packers? I mean, if people are listening to this and uh... The statistics say that there's some people listening to this, which <laughs> honestly blows my mind sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm assuming if you listen to this, you like the CFL and you like it a lot. This is going to be your chance of watching a second and a half preseason week in some way. <laughs> We're going to see the starters in BC and Winnipeg for at least a quarter. Winnipeg, because they've already had a chance to sit starters and have had buys recently, so they're going to want to make sure Russ doesn't develop. Right. He's going to be starting Nathan Rourke. Uh, Toronto, Montreal, you're going to be seeing some different quarterback play there, too. Um, Chad Kelly, uh, Dominic Davis is going to get are going to get some reps from Montreal. Ottawa is starting Caleb Evans, but, I mean, you can watch that game if you want to as well. I mean, Ottawa has nothing to play for and nobody to hide, so they may keep their starters on the field longer than Hamilton. You know, it's it's a really tough week to play pick them, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> uh, I, I have picks in the system, but it, they they're just coin flips at this point. Um, and and then Calgary Calgary's going to play Bo Levi Mitchell a little bit just to you know make sure he's fresh and ready in case uh, there's an injury in the playoffs. Keep him keep him from accumulating too much rust. Saskatchewan's going to do what Saskatchewan does. God only knows. Uh, they may even show up. Who knows? Um, <laughs> again, they, they're also the team that has nothing to play for, so they may play their starters more and go and do some crazy things. So uh, it, it's not a week. It's not a week for the casual fan, unfortunately, when, and ratings are going to suck. But if if you're like us and you love the CFL and you love to see all these storylines, how they're going to play out. And I, I could see it. I could see sitting through, through these games and, and enjoying them more than you have any right to. <laughs> well put, well put. Uh, yeah. I, I'll watch some of them for sure. I'll, I'll watch them because the second string on Winnipeg is so good. Anyway, it's like, it's like watching real CFL football anyway. So I'll probably watch that. But, dude, geez, there's so much. The World Series is on, man. You know, hockey is on. You know, NFL is on. You know, so. The Jets, the Jets, don't, the Jets play on Sunday. I'm fine. I can watch that, too. <laughs> I think they might have a late night. They got a couple late night games this week. So I'm not. Uh, I'm missing those, but I've actually seen most of the Jets games this year. I think I only, oh, nice. missed, I only missed, I haven't seen like a full game from start to finish. Too much going on in the house, and I 
devote my serious sitting down to the TV time to the CFL. But yeah. I've caught bits and pieces of like five of the six, and the only one I didn't watch any of was the Vegas game, which started at nine o'clock. The hell with that. I have to get up at 5 30. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have two more of those this week. So next chance I get is Sunday. So yeah. I guess I'll watch the CFL while I'm waiting. <laughs> no, there you go. Nice. Well done. Well done. Yes, Wisconsin is well within that Winnipeg market. Um, right. Uh, well, I mean, think of think of it. The, the, let's let's go off topic for two seconds here. Sure. Think about the NHL Central Division. Who's in it? Minnesota, St. Louis, Chicago. Right. Who do I not like in other sports? Minnesota, St. Louis, Chicago. <laughs> it just makes too much sense. Okay. All right. All right. I. I yeah, I take we could have thrown Detroit in there, but mostly that's a pity one anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't wow. bother me. They're not there. Vicious. Vicious. You're a bad man. Right. Well, we'll be back next week to talk those games. We'll have something intelligent to say about them. And we'll be talking about CFL preview. And probably, if I can find the time, we'll do a uh, bad predictions review to dig through some of the old podcasts and look at how clever we thought we were at the beginning. You know what? I I don't hate that. I missed on BC, but so did everybody else. Mm -hmm. I overrated the East slightly. I I feel okay about this year's picks, honestly. Didn't somebody on this show, didn't a guest on this show uh, have the Elks in the playoffs? (laughs) I think that might have been said. I think I think we might have had several people on the show saying that the Thai Cats were going to win the East. I think so, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I remember correctly. I had Toronto, but I'm going to have Hamilton. It was all in. Basically, <laughs> I had the East in like a, 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 a between eleven and eight, and then yeah. between eleven and four. Because one of the teams couldn't pull their weight. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have something intelligent today. We'll be talking to see about playoffs, etc. And until then, I'm Oz Davis. For my co-host Joe Pritchard, this has been the Rouge White and Blue CFL Podcast. Enjoy this final week of games. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.